Thursday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM. You know, in Israel, over the last three days, we did meet, and you have to admit this if you were able to tune in, we did meet some incredible people. Uh, we come back to the U.S., we meet more incredible people uh, on this radio program who are doing so much for Israel and the Jewish people. Dr. Baruch Barzell is with us. He's head of Israel's leading laboratory in network science. He leads a team who studies computer networks to forecast future calamities such as power outages and the spread of infectious diseases and prevent them from occurring. His work is absolutely brilliant. It could certainly have an impact on millions of lives, both in Israel and the U.S. Dr. Barzell is also a Torah scholar who hosts a weekly radio show in Israel. And uh, you could find out more about the laboratory of Dr. Barzell by going to barzellab.com, barzellab.com. Dr. Baruch Barzell, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for having me at this early hour in the morning. I appreciate you joining us. We just came back from Israel where we met some amazing people, and now I'm glad we're able to continue that tradition this morning. You know, is it, I mean, I never looked at power outages as a calamity that's predictable. I always think some accident or some, uh, you know, force of nature, extreme heat, thunderstorms, etc., they usually are attributed to the uh, source for a power outage. Uh, is it, in fact, something that can be researched and prevented? No, you're perfectly right. So power outages begin with what we call a random failure or a severe weather event. And let me add one other thing in 2018 a targeted cyber attack, something we haven't thought about in the past. That's true. So they begin as a random process. But then the question is, when this random failure occurs, can we actually predict how it's going to spread out and trickle down through the system? And at what time, which power station might, as a result, fail? Uh That is difficult to predict, but it's there. Somehow we should be able to predict that. So in other words, if we go back to August of 2003, do you remember August of 2003? Well, uh, I know about it. Okay, so, I, I followed the news in Israel, so but we, I understand people in New York really suffered. So we were here in the on the eastern seaboard, uh, and the reason I say that is because I happened to be in Baltimore that day, but we're here in two, August of 2003, and I believe a tree or a lightning strike, something happened in the Midwest, I think in Ohio or somewhere, or in Indiana, something like that, you would know better than me, that triggered a tremendous domino effect. 100 million people ended up without any power. Could that have been under your system? Could that extent of a tragedy been avoided? So first of all, 2003 was indeed the second largest blackout in history. And wow. this is how unpredictable this is. It all started with a marginal failure. I believe it was a tree somewhere between Ohio and South Canada. Mm. And that trickled down to take pretty much all the Northeast out of power for a week. And you just talk about hundreds of millions of people in the dark. But right. there were also fatalities. There was right. also a tremendous economic loss. Not to mention that, again, in 2018, that would also cause probably a local Internet breakdown, and the consequences of that pretty much impact every single infrastructure that we have, right? Yep. From water to traffic to medical systems. So the calamity would even be greater. But I don't want people to lose sleep over this. <laughs> uh, the way we've been tackling this is, uh, in, uh, which is, is in the 21st century science, which is a little bit out of the box. Let me get a little bit more technical here, but don't worry, listeners, you don't need to change your station. I'm not (laughs) going to show any equations. But the idea is that for years we've been thinking about the components. How can we make more durable components? How can we make thicker wires or things like that? 
But over the past 20 years, we have noticed that actually it might be a property of the network of the system itself. So can we design, instead of just predicting the next uh, failure, can we design a more resilient network for the power grid, a more resilient network for the infrastructure? Can we identify in advance, these are preemptive steps, the weak spots, the points where if they fail, then we're going to get something big because, you know, most failures remain very local. But then every now and then there's this very unpredictable place where if that fails, you all of a sudden get, uh, I believe you use the word calamity, right? right? So these are preemptive steps. But then, you know, in my lab, we're also thinking about something which I've never uh, heard of before, which is saying, okay, can we forecast how this spread will actually go? You know, power outages are abrupt, but they're not sudden. It takes several hours from the initial tree or the initial cyber attack until you sit in the dark in New York. Hmm. Now, several hours is definitely not enough for crews to start chasing the cascading failure, but it is plenty of time for an algorithm to intervene in real time, maybe strategically shut down power stations at strategic time points. Right. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're working on such an algorithm. And such an algorithm can actually tackle the power grid and mitigate it as it uh, um, develops through the network. By the way, Dr. Barzell, just to, uh, just to reassure you how, uh, how incompetent I am on this issue, in the August 2003 uh, blackout, about a week before, my wife says to me, we have to make sure we have working flashlights in case there's a blackout. And I said, blackout? We live in Manhattan. It's never going to blackout. Well, I guess I was wrong. So a few days later, of course, we were all sitting in the dark. Dr. Baruch Barzell is here. here is with us, head of Israel's leading laboratory in network science. Now, does this go under, and I know there are other things as well, infectious diseases, and I want to ask you about cybersecurity in a moment, but does all this get, go to, get to Israel's credit? The reason I say it like that is uh, you know, a lot of our conversations this week in Jerusalem were with people who were lauding, rightfully so, uh, all the new inventions and innovations that are coming from Israel. Would all these that you just described go to Israel's credit? Well, let me just say, first of all, that your problem was not your incompetence in blackouts. It was the fact you didn't listen to your wife, of course. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So when I say we, of course, I don't just mean myself. I mean the network science community. This is a science that pretty much was born in the beginning of the 21st century. It's a 20-year-old science. Uh, So it's not just credited for me, but let me give some important credit, because it's a rather bold science. It's a very new science. We talked about blackouts, but, you know, when I go to a physics department, they say, wait a second, you're doing epidemic spreading on social networks. When I go to a biology department, they say, but you're looking at blackouts in infrastructure networks. So it requires some level of -of out-of-the-box thinking, tackling big problems, which Israel is very much attentive to. I always like to say, if you tell someone, I'm going to solve an impossible scientific problem, then most people in the world say, okay, you can't do that. In Israel, people start listening when you say that. Um, specifically, Bar Ilan University, my host institution, has really pursued this topic of network science head-on, so I have to thank my institution for giving me the platform uh, to do this research. And yes, I think the ecosystem and you know, the, the search for novelty in Israel is definitely an important contributor 
to the fact that we can look at these problems. You know, you know, there's, there's about cybersecurity for a moment. I there's a point I always try to make, and it never comes out well. But I'm going to try again right now. You know, when you ask, when when I, the average layman, asks a military expert in this country, for instance, are we well secure? Are we, you know, are we safe as citizens of the U.S.? Are we safe? And he'll say, well, we have this amount of money in the military. We have this number of personnel in the military. We have this number of tanks, and you know, and they give you an answer, a hardcore answer, why you should feel safe being in the U.S. Is there an answer to the question of are we safe when it comes to cybersecurity? I wish I knew the answer. I, we, 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 all, we all don't know. It's a constant fight between uh, the attackers and the people who are trying to protect us. Uh, the the out-of-the-box solution that we're offering is that most treatment of cybersecurity today is looking at the protocols, uh, you know, uh, guarding or protecting specific components. We say, listen, I will never compete. I'm a physicist and a mathematician. I will never compete with a computer science in understanding computers. I'll never compete with an engineer in understanding power grid components or with a biologist in understanding genes. But we look at it from a systemic view. Can we design a network which is more resilient, a network in which a cyber attack remains local and doesn't propagate to make a a large collapse, or can we design, or can we, or can we, you know, we cannot protect every single component of our network, so can we prioritize in a smart way by detecting in the network, not in the computer business or in the genes or in the uh, human individuals, but in the network structure, can we identify weak points, Achilles heels, and say, okay, you need to prioritize. This needs protection. Those are not so crucial. Understood. All right, Dr. Baruch Barzell is with us. One more. Let's do the infectious diseases. What is it that, that you and your lab can do to either stem the tide or make people aware of what's happening with infectious disease and obviously in turn reduce the risk that the average person will have to those diseases? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I seem to be only talking about disaster, but let me say <laughs> things that are actually hopeful. So, you know, the doomsday scenario in cyber is this large collapses. We're so good. Scenario... We're, we're, we're so good at the doomsday scenario, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the doomsday scenario in diseases is what happens if the next Zika or the next right. Ebola right. turns global. Right. And, you know, I have to say, we got lucky in the last epidemics, but it's not exactly lucky because, for instance, if you live in Africa, Ebola was a disaster. Right. But at least it didn't spread out globally. Right. So we know today that diseases spread out globally through the air transportation network. So again, it's a network phenomena. And so the intuition says if the disease spreads out globally, why not just stop all air travel? But I let the listeners imagine what will happen if for a month or for two months we stop air travel. How many economies will collapse? How many uh, wars will erupt? How many people will die of famine because of this? So we cannot do that. This is an intervention that we cannot afford. But if we understand the network and we understand which are the main pathways of the network, I call this a network GPS. If we know how to navigate, because, you know, viruses, they navigate the networks like cars navigate the road. It's not the same phenomena, but it's it's a good metaphor to have in our head. So, you know... And when we talk about roads, not every road has the same impact on traffic. And it's the same thing with the air travel network. So imagine that we can design by understanding the contribution of every network component uh, a much more subtle intervention. Like only reduce air travel by 10% and reduce the fatalities by 90%. We can only do that if our interventions are smart, we prioritize them correctly. And this requires us to understand the network and understand how every component of the network specifically contributes to the spread of the epidemic. So let me say something hopeful. I believe that in four or five years from now, 
You know, just like today, we take it for granted that there is a weather forecast at the end of the news. Right. That was science fiction 100 years ago. Right. I believe that in four, five, maybe ten years from now, there will be a similar forecast for the flu in New York and in New Jersey. And at that level of resolution, because we will be able to foresee spread of an epidemic, we're almost there practically today, and better yet, if we can predict the spread of an epidemic, we can also influence it, mitigate it, find the minimal interventions that have the maximal impact. Phenomenal. I, I admire when people in your field can make people like myself understand what you're talking about. Just fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Baruch Barzel, the, uh, he's the man at the forefront of this monumental task for Israel. It's called Network Science. He's a top researcher, physicist, applied mathematician, and network specialist at Bar Ilan University in Ramad Gan. Please send our very best to the uh, wonderful people at Bar Ilan. They're doing incredible work in so many different departments. And I thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Nachum. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Baruch Barzel, Thursday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.